0: All right, so if you have a Bible, please open it with me. Um, the The text that says in the bulletin is Genesis 2, 2 through 3, and I did one of those things that I uh, dislike when other people do, is I have that text here, I'm going to read it, and then I don't really mention it again. <laughs> so I guess that's really not the text for today. Uh, the text today is what was read for us this morning, uh, Mark chapter 1 beginning in verse 21, and I'm going to go all the way into chapter 2 with some of what I have to say, but that's primarily where I will be, Mark chapter 1 into 2. So we want to turn there, that would be helpful, and let us pray together. Father, we thank you for this day to come out of the world and into your fellowship, not only with you, but with one another. We pray, Father, that as we gather here together, that we would be filled with joy that we would be filled with conviction, that we would be filled with comfort, and that all of these things would be reconciled in Christ and that we would praise him and thank him and worship him uh, as we were intended to do on this day. We thank you that you worked for six days and that you created the Sabbath for man to be refreshed and to rejoice in you. And we pray, Father, that now you would lead us into exactly that. Through your word, instruct us and guide us and teach us. And amen. So Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on, on it, God rested from all his work that he had done. That is what we're going to be talking about. Um, what does it mean that he rested? What is that? Uh, he doesn't need to rest, as I covered in the first sermon. Uh, he, he rested. But what did he do when he rested? And why did he create one day uh, for us to rest? Now, what I find with this subject is that th- there are a lot of paradigms, there are a lot of traditions, there are a lot of convictions that we have about the Sabbath, and very much like the first century Jews, uh, we, we, help, we hold them very tightly, but we don't really understand them. I, I think sab- Sabbath observance is, is an issue that most of us don't really understand. I don't, and and I I, I haven't. I have a a long and funny track record uh, with this. Uh, When I was a member of this church, along with frozen leadership, uh, the elders literally had to meet with me uh, to tell me that staying home to watch the Seahawks was not a good idea and skip church. (laughs) That was a conversation they actually had with me. Um, (laughs) Yes, uh, there is another brother, uh, well-meaning, who showed up at my house one day uh, when he knew I wasn't at church. Uh, and he knew I wasn't really sick, uh, and that that was funny because I, I wasn't really sick, if you know what I'm saying. I just was tired, and and I have I, I mean I have held this concept that rest is the point uh, since I became a Christian. I was like, whoa, whoa, I don't have to work a day a week. That's that is sweet, and I I mean I, I showering at one point I think was on the list of too much work. Uh, <laughs> Which, which is fine. I went to Mars Hill at the time. So you just <laughs> throw on the flip-flops and head in. <laughs> and in the early days, uh, when I was first a Christian, and, and the lovely lady I was attempting to court uh, had all these kinds of funny things with me. Uh, one, one Sunday I called her up and I said, you know, it is beautiful out. Let's get some donuts and go walk around Green Lake. It's quiet on the phone. Just quiet. Well, it's Sunday, she says. And then it's still quiet on the phone. She said, well, you come and get me, and we'll go to church, and I'll explain afterwards. Because in those days, I didn't, I mean, that, right? What, what sounds restful? Walking around Green Lake, which is beautiful, with a beautiful woman uh, eating Mighty O's donuts, which are fantastic, <laughs> right? I mean, that sounds like rest to me. Still does. And, and, and right there is the rub. This, this, is where, this is where this becomes so difficult. If if I were to survey you, I think most most of you have a very clear understanding of what rest is. Uh, what do you find restful? Right, riding horses, riding, riding ATVs, going hiking, st- uh, sleeping in. I think a lot of us would put that one on the list. Yeah, Amen, sister. Right. I I, I think if I didn't, th- when I was at Mars Hill and they were going with the big TVs, uh, you know, and they were recording a, uh, his sermon and then playing it. I said, oh, hey, you know, rest is the point. So why don't you guys just create a television program where I, and I can just stay home, right? And then I don't have to drive. I will be just like the Jews in the Old Testament. will be so righteous. And, and because so much of what the Bible, when the Bible says rest, what I read in, in that word are all kinds of things other than what God intends for rest. And, and I think if we're honest with ourselves, we all do. Uh, part of this is that we don't you know, work and rest, work and rest. This is the rhythm that life is supposed to have. And either uh, a lot of us have too much of one or the other. We have so much work that we have no time for the family, no time for any recreation, and so we take from God's time family time and recreation. Now, or perhaps you're like me, you have so much recreational time that it's really whatever. Any time that I don't have to go to work is just recreation. So as soon as I clock out and get my car and drive home, that's it. I don't have to do anything. Uh, that that is sometimes my mentality, and and uh, again, still, th- these are all the things that I I think are exist in our minds about this. How many of you actually think the Sabbath is starts on Friday night and goes till Sunday night? Uh, I called Sunday at one point uh, the second half of Saturday because that's really in my mind what it is. It's just one long Saturday. Um, and when I was a kid. Uh, we didn't do anything on Saturday. Uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home in that in that really, and and so at, on Saturday, that's when you really just hung out and did whatever you wanted. Um, and so that's for me what the whole weekend is, right? We're modern Americans. We love it that the workday ends on Friday, and then we can do whatever we want, and that carries from Saturday into Sunday. And so it dilutes the entire purpose of it. But there are other and deeper issues here. Um, I, I you read the. I know it's troubling. <laughs> when you read the gospels, uh, you find uh, I'm confused by the confusion all the time. Like why these are these are well-meaning Jews. These people love God, they love his word, they love his people, and, and Jesus comes and does things that are so contrary to what they think they should be doing that they want to then murder him. Now, and we all know all of us can turn to murder very quickly. You have all sat in traffic. You know that it's possible. Good people do this all the time. But I think if Jesus were to show up here, and if he hung out with us all day long, we would have just as much negative interaction with him as the Pharisees did over the Sabbath. I think we do not understand what this day is all about. Now, here is a primary example. This is going to be a longer introduction, so just bear with me. When does a day begin? I think none of us are actually functionally confused about that. It begins at midnight. And how long is it that happened? How long have days begun at midnight? Well, since the beginning, right? The Romans. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Little historical joke. But that's not really when a day begins if you read the Bible. When you read the Bible, the day begins in the evening. And days are measured from evening to evening. Now, none of us act that way. I think most of us don't even know that. And if you do know that, like I know that, this is something I talk about. It it doesn't actually change, right? Somebody comes to me and they're like, "Hey, are you having a nice Tuesday evening?" And I don't, I don't say, "You mean Wednesday morning?" (laughs) Right? I don't do that. I don't do that. But this is how, like, this is how confusing this issue is. The Bible clearly teaches that the day begins in in the evening time. So technically, this Sabbath is half over. It didn't just start. It's almost over with. We're in the back half of it. And so everything that you've been doing since last evening up until this moment has been something you're doing on the Sabbath. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. We, I, I don't even really know what to do with that. That's very strange. But this is what happened to the, to the first century Jews in Jesus' day. They were as equally befuddled by the things he was presenting to them. They're, they're, the truths they believed, what they believed about the Sabbath was so ingrained that it would be like him showing up here and saying, uh, how was the first half of your Sabbath, you know, here at 10.50 in the morning? And most of us would be like, what are you, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? It just started. Uh, I, I pretty much just woke up. I just got here at 10.15. I, I, it's confusing what you're saying to me. And, and so this is what we're dealing with, okay? There we define rest very differently than the Bible does. We define days very differently than the Bible does. And so when we start to talk about these things, I think it can be very, very, very confusing. Um, another one, I don't, I don't know what kind of Christian homes you were raised in. I, I know these homes exist. The, the three services... The, uh, we're going to fast on Sunday and you get up and you do your catechism and then you go to church and then you come home and you pray for two hours and then you go back to church and then you come home and you have some bread and water and then you go back to church. Now, I know people who are now living in this area who that's what their Sabbath is like. And I don't know about you, but that sounds horrible. That <laughs> sounds horrible. Now, in like manner, our forebears who who created the doctrine of vocation, who 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 changed the world with it. Protestants in the, in the Doctrine of Vocation is why you're sitting here. 237 years ago, there was nothing here. Nothing. Six generations ago. Six generations ago. And they came from the, from Europe out here because they understood vocation. The Doctrine of Vocation in the Reformation is, is why you're all here. It's why there's paved roads. It's why there's a Wendy's down here where I can go and I can get a cheeseburger right now. Six generations ago, there was nothing Here. Explorer stood here. There was nothing. I totally forgot where I was going with this. (laughs) Vocation. And rest. Hold on. It's going to come to me. It's been a while since that happened. Yeah, I know. It's (laughs) It's true. It's a terrible thing, but it's true. So, vocation. (laughs) Vocation. I'm really struggling here. All right. Pray for me. And so 237 years ago, we'll go back for a second. There was nothing here. And so it's, it's hard for us to envision in 237 years what might be here. But the path ahead is, is work. The path ahead is real work. It's, God is not just going to snap his fingers and suddenly create a kingdom on heaven. It's going to take generations. It's going to take these basic rhythms. Work for six days and rest for six days. Work for six days and rest for one day. Yeah. See, I'm good. You're paying attention. (laughs) We have to back up, and we have to address all of these paradigm issues that we're having. Okay? So I'm going to talk about things in here, and and I, I hope, I hope that it challenges you to really think about this day. Our forebears, this is where I was going with that. Our forebears who had the doctrine of vocation, we know, had a great deal of issues with this. They had laws in Puritan, Protestant homes in which nothing occurs. You can't even laugh on Sunday because it's work and it's happy. And Sabbaths are not for happiness. <laughs> right? I, and I read this, is, I read a sermon about this written by some guy who had extremely tight shoes, I'm sure. And, and so what we have now, though, is the opposite ditch, because this is always what happens. The car, in order to correct, you overcorrect, and you go into the other ditch, and the ditch we live in, it's anything goes. We went from nothing goes to anything goes. Anything. And, and, and if, again, if I surveyed us, I think we would find that is extremely true. It is utterly true. When it comes down to it, we get here, and then we leave, and after we leave, anything goes. You can watch whatever you want, you can go wherever you want, you can buy whatever you want, you can eat whatever you want, you can do whatever you want. Because it's your day, kiddo. God made the Sabbath for you. And God wants you to rest on it. And however you define rest is what he wants you to do. That's how we treat it. And and, and this is what I'm going to hopefully hold up and, and look at very closely and help us to consider some things about this day that we assume, some lies, some truth, and, and just deal with it. Because if the rhythm of life is working and resting, if we're going to work well, we need to rest well. And if we're going to rest well, we need to work well. God did not create a five-day work week. He didn't. He created a six-day work week, and we have to deal with that. He did not create a day in which you define the word rest. From Genesis to Revelation, he defines the word rest for us. And so what does he mean by a day of rest? That, that, that's what we have to wrap our minds and our hearts around. We find that Jesus on the Sabbath, as we re- was read for us this morning, is engaged in verbs throughout it. He's teaching, he's rebuking, he's walking, he's entering, he's lifting, he's healing, he's feasting, he's doing things. Now, sometimes those things require uh, exertion. You might do some things on the Sabbath that, that, as we find here that God calls rest that actually make you tired. Okay, and what we need to understand is the difference. Jesus said, my father is working and I am working and he said it on the Sabbath and people wanted to kill him for it. So clearly, if Jesus never, ever, ever breaks the Sabbath law, when he says, "My God, God my father is working and I am working now, what he means by work is something utterly different than what we mean by work. And what I do not want the error that we must avoid as we are correcting this day is the error where we leave off our work, right? the regular work that we have six days a week, and enter into this nightmarish other kind of religious work that isn't restful at all. Okay, Please do not leave here and think that you have to get up even earlier on Sunday and spend the first five hours in prayer. Okay? Now, if you feel led to do that, whatever. But that's not what I am saying. Okay, That is not the application of this. <laughs> No. Uh, another one, my wife, when I first became a Christian, I fasted on Sundays. I did not eat. Uh, and, and what was funny, in those days I didn't drink wine, so when I would take communion, I would actually go back to the seat with a swimming head. And then I read First Corinthians, and I thought, I think this is what he's talking He's like, you should eat before you come, come here. And, 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 and again, my wife had to say, why are you doing that? What, do you, what is that? Well, it's a very holy, solemn day. And, and the bridegroom's not here. No, the bridegroom is here. So stop fasting, right? This is, this is how, these are the kinds of things that we believe in and get very confused about. Focusing on the Lord in the midst of our vocations is tough. That's what all these other sermons are been about. When you're sitting there doing your engineering, folding clothes, homeschooling, when you're alone and out in the world, it is very difficult, is it not, to focus on God when you're doing it? And so what God says is that is tiring. That is burdensome. And so what I want you to do is take a day a week where you come out of that world into the people of God and just focus on me. I want you to do it all the time, but I know it's hard. And so take a break from that and come here and sit here and let me feed you. Let me let Me care for you. Let me refresh you. We all know that in a community like ours, spread from one end of Puget Sound to the other, actual meaningful festive fellowship is very difficult, is it not? Right? Come over to your house on Wednesday for dinner? I don't think so. I'll call you and see how you're doing, maybe. I might be too busy. Real meaningful festive fellowship is very difficult. And so what God says is, you know what? Especially in our context, these people need help. I'm going to give them a day a week to gather together to have festive fellowship together so that when they go back into their labors, they know that they're a part of a family, that they know they're a part of my body, that they know they belong not to this world but to my kingdom. It's not just about you coming here and hanging out for two hours and listening and then going home. That's not entirely what rest means either. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is. It's his day. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. He says, come to me if you want rest. And so what we have to do is look at the Sabbath in his life to figure out how it is that we should be going about keeping the Sabbath in our own lives. So we're going to look at some just generic big picture ideas about the Sabbath. And then we're going to, the last half of the sermon is just going to be looking at how he kept the Sabbath because he came not just to save us, but to give us uh, the kind of life a true Christian should have. He do, What he does is what we should do. We imitate him. I, hopefully that alleviates a lot of the confusion about what do we apply from the Old Testament or not. What did he do on the Sabbath? How did he rest? What were the activities he engaged in? And when we look at that, I think we'll understand better in our own lives. And so first and foremost, let's go back and and consider the fact that in the beginning, God works so that we learn how to work. What did he do on creation week? That's how you should work. He was selfless, and he did his work well, and so you should be selfless and do your work well. But then, at the end, this is what it says, the end of the creation account. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. What was the rest that God took? He says, I'm going to stop working, and now I'm going to rest. And then it, it describes what he does. And I think this is fundamental if we're going to understand how to keep the Sabbath. Genesis 1:31. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. It's a very short verse. It's a very short verse. Rest was built into the natural rhythms of life by the Creator, who rested on the seventh day of creation, an important part of the meaning of rest is suggested by the mystery of divine rest. It draws a boundary around work and exertion and takes a legitimate delight in celebrating what has been accomplished without an urge to keep working. God ceases to work and begins doxology. Now, what is doxology? It's a song, right? No, well, it's, it's not just a song that we sing. It's a liturgical formula of praise. It's a process by which you give something praise. We stop our work and we judge it. right? What does God do? He stops working, he, he beholds it, and he judges it. He says, look at what I have done. It is very good. He takes time to reflect on what he's done. And then he calls it good. Now, it's good because he's good. What we do is we have to take a moment and stop and reflect. This week... How did it go? Right. This is why we start our our service with confession, because you know that you didn't do very well, <laughs> right? And and then what we do is then we. This is what I love. This is the back and forth. Our work, His work. We look at our work and we and we judge it and we say no, this is not very good. And then what we do is we turn to Christ, who in, through everything that we went through this week is carrying us, is caring for us. Right? He's brought us here so that we can tell him it's not good. And he says, as, as Dean did for us this morning, he, right? We, we confess that it's not good, and then what we get is the gospel. Now we're judging his work. We judge his work, and what do we do? We sing, because it's good. It's a good thing, what he has done. Sabbath rest is a moment to step back and enjoy the work that has filled six days. Sabbath rest is judging, blessing, and enjoying the fruit of our labor, and since we live in Christ who gives the fruit, we praise Him. We are New Testament saints. And so, again, it's very clear here. Our, where does our work come from? Where does the fruit of our work come from? Jesus Christ. And so when we're judging our work, this is the paradigm here. We look at what we do and we see that we need Him. And then what we do is we praise Him for what He's done. And in, in doing this, we're imitating the Creator in the very beginning. We're resting like He rested. Genesis 2.3 says, and so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Okay, He turns from blessing the work that he has done, calling it very good, to now blessing this seventh day, this day that he is now using to judge his own work. Holy means set apart. It's different than the other six days. It was made for us as a sacred blessing. Okay? He created this day where we could stop and judge our work. And what makes it a sacred blessing? Why is it so wonderful the seventh day? I don't know about you, but after six days of working, well, five days, five days of working and a half day of working at home, <laughs> I come here, and, and, and I really do need it. I need the songs. I need the scripture reading. I need the prayers um, that are given so wonderfully by people in this community. I need the priesthood of believers. See, this is, you're the priesthood, right? You, you are planted in a garden to be priests. And here is where you practice being those priests. The thing, and, and all of this is, is this is what he means by rest. He stopped his work and he rested. And what did he do? He created something for man to enjoy the work that he had done. Deuteronomy 5.14 goes on to explain more about this word rest. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or even your ox or donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. It's very important that it's not, it's not just personal. You, you are doing what you can to give rest to other people. We're going to get into this a little bit more at the end. But it's not just about you. It's about, right? <laughs> But it's about the grocer that you go to. It is. It's about the waitress at the restaurant that you like. It's about other people. Uh, What I love about the Sabbath rest is they even, uh, every seven years, gave the land a Sabbath. Which is uh, always Steve's joke about if you start to have too many kids, right? Even even the land got to rest every seven years. (laughs) I've already made that joke several times. It's always funny. Even the land got to rest. So are you concerned about getting to that sporting event? Are you concerned about getting home and getting that program on? Are you concerned about getting home and just seeing the kids for a little bit? Are you concerned about rest, not just for you, but for others? Is that what you think of when you hear Sabbath? My resting and my giving rest to others. God stopped working to be refreshed. Exodus 31:17. It's a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Standing back and judging his work and calling it good was refreshing to him. Worship is refreshing. If you are entering into doxology, that should be refreshing you. refreshment, I love this, I actually looked up the word refreshment, because you never, you never can tell. There are words that we use all the time that we think we mean, uh, and then you look them up and it doesn't actually mean what you think it means. It's very strange. And so this is actually the definition of refreshment. Uh, a snack in a public place, a snack in a public place. <laughs> that, was, that was the first definition, a snack in a public place and and immediately i thought of communion here with all of you but i mean but that's just funny isn't it <laughs> the second definition is um giving fresh mental strength and energy giving fresh mental strength and energy now the reason that i'm i am i am defining this word in english is because that's what they translated it to uh, and this is the oed um and, and so the oxford english dictionary this is for me the kind of the standard of what words actually mean in English. Jesus is the Lord of Sabbath. Okay, this is what he says of himself. He embodies refreshment. Refreshment is a snack in a public place or gathering giving fresh mental strength and energy. Jesus is the Lord of Sabbath and and this is um and he is the Lord of Sabbath because he himself said in Matthew 12:8, "Come to me all you who labor and I will give you rest." If the Sabbath is about rest, and it is, that is what it's about. The problem is we don't define the word rest correctly. Okay, What it is, it is stepping back and assessing your work and judging it, glorifying God for everything that he's done because he's the one working through us, and, and taking this, this simple meal in the presence of everyone else. Right? Jesus said, my food is the will of my Father. And and so God is refreshed in the beginning on the first Sabbath because he, doing His will, having been done, is is refreshing to Him. It's like a snack in a public place. It's like that grumpy kid at the zoo. And thank goodness he had the fishy crackers with that wife he brought because you give him that little refreshment, and suddenly they're right back to just looking at animals instead of complaining about whatever they were complaining about. That's what I think of. You go through your your work week and you're all grumpy, and you, what you need is a little snack, like a Snickers bar. Jesus said come to me he said I'm the Lord of the Sabbath rest came down and dwelt among us that's what we have to think about rest came down and dwelt among us in fact whenever you're thinking of of, of some new way of considering Jesus just add that word into this phrase It's, it's very helpful rest came down and dwelt among us rest is a person refreshment is a who and not a what what do you need? Okay, You've been out in the world all week. What do you need? What have you used up? What do you have no more of? What didn't you have any more of on Tuesday morning? Do you need strength? St. Paul said, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. How about food and drink? Are you hungry? Spiritually, are you, are you hungry? John 6.55-56. through 56, For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Do you need light? John 8:12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, "I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life." And light here is understanding. It's fresh mental energy to believe and strength to discern your circumstances. It's a little snack. Do you need grace? Do you need grace? For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. John 1.16. Do you need life? Has this week used up all your life? Do you feel dead? Do you feel spiritually dead? Do you feel physically dead? Sometimes at the end of a work week, I feel both. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Man does not live on bread alone. Right? We, we hear the word rest and we think, I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I got a big party later. I'm going to stay home. I'm going to cook. Uh, I, I'm not feeling so well. Uh, I, I feel sort of spiritually dead. What I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to stay home and it's going to be quiet. I'm just going to read Psalms by myself. Right? Bedside Baptist, my dad calls it. Um, all the Sundays he was away from home, he always referred to himself as a bedside Baptist because he gets up, kneels down by the bed, and has his church. And, and, and so many of us, sometimes that's what you feel like, don't you? You've been out in the world, and the last thing you want to do is, is, is get up and leave the house. But, but that would be socially awkward. We don't want Shirley sending out any emails, and so you guys, <laughs> right? So sometimes you just put the tie on and you come down. But what would we rather do? I would rather, you know what would be refreshing to me is going to Green Lake and walking around with my wife. If if you ask me, that's what I would say. But that's not what it's talking about here. There is food I need I cannot get at Safeway. There is food that I need I cannot make in my kitchen. There is light that I need that does not come from a light bulb. There are things I need I cannot get myself. And, 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 And yes, okay, Jesus is everywhere and you can access him anytime, everywhere. I make that point all the time. But that's not what we're talking about here. There is one day a week where instead of a snack, it's a feast. It's a feast. It's prayers and confession and repentance and gospel, 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 gospel songs and gospel messages and gospel bread and gospel wine. And and, and it's, it's like tithing. I don't have enough, so I'm not going to give it. I don't have enough energy, so I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to fellowship with people. And so what we do is we deprive God of his portion, and and, and what we do is we end up with even less than what we had before for a number of reasons, but one of them is specifically God comes and takes away what you have. If you're breaking His Sabbath, if you're holding back from him, what he will do is hold back from you to get your attention. And so it starts out small, right? I have a lot to do, and so I'm going to stay home and do it. And before you know it, you never go back to church. Or you (laughs) – this happened when I was in college – uh, I, it was just in 2011 I graduated, so this was recent. I, I would also do this. I mean, are you, I got to write an essay. I can't go to, and I would stay home. You know what? My computer doesn't work. I'm out of, I'm out of uh, toner. The power went out one time. I actually stayed home to do it, and the power went out. And I thought, now that's kind of terrifying. And that particular day, I showed up late. I was like, yeah, I was just you know. <laughs> we need to set a day apart for doxology one day a week we need to step outside of our workaday lives and remember that the work isn't the ultimate purpose of our lives worship is and when we worship it's not just you standing there raising your hands or putting them in your pocket and singing what you're doing is you are becoming like the thing you're worshiping right and he has an endless amount of life an endless amount of light and, and it's here in the midst. It's not alone at home by yourself. It's here in the, in, in the fellowship of God. Deuteronomy 5.15, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is rejoicing in the salvation that God gives us. Right? This is what he means by rest. And he takes rest from Genesis, and what he does throughout the Old Testament is he keeps adding things to it. And so we think, that's going to be a real drain, that Sabbath rest that you're talking about. But it's not. It's a cornucopia of blessing. There are so many things that he packs into this. What you really need is here. It's found in the people of God, in God himself. The Sabbath was made for man. To gather together with the body of Christ, to rest in Christ, to praise Christ, and to be refreshed in Christ. To step back from our toil and enter into doxology. And so, if we really want to know how to do this, what we need to do is go to the Gospels. And what we need to do is look at Jesus and how he, what, what he did and how he did it on the Sabbath. That's what was read for us this morning. So I'm going to take it a, a little bit out of time here. Mark 121 and and they went into uh, Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. Immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue. Jesus seeks out the people of God for fellowship. Jesus feeds them instruction. Jesus heals. Jesus forgives. Jesus compassionately frees people from their thorns. He unburdens them and gives them rest. Okay, now this is what I find fascinating. Verse 35 of this section, if you look down at that, Jesus goes to pursue private devotions alone early in the morning of the day after the Sabbath. Well, I, I thought the Sabbath was about rest. Why doesn't he do that on on Sunday? Why doesn't he do that on, on the actual Sabbath? Well, because that's not, that's not the rest that God is talking about. That's restful, no doubt. But that's not what Jesus is engaging in here. He is immediately seeking the people of God. But on the Sabbath, Jesus attends public devotions in the synagogue. Leviticus 23.3 refers to the Sabbath as a holy convocation on which we shall do no work. It's a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. A convocation is a large formal assembly. It does not say private devotions. It does not say, unfortunately, walking around Green Lake with your smoking hot wife, which is what I would prefer to do. It's a holy convocation. That's what it is. It's holy, it's set apart, and it's a convocation, which is an assembly. Uh, um, gathering a large group of people together requires a lot of work. I don't know if you guys have noticed that. Right? He says a holy convocation, which is a gathering place. Now, in our day, we have electricity, but think of what this would require if it were people meeting in someone's home, which is what they did. If there was one person's home, if you didn't have a synagogue designated as this. Somebody's got to have chairs, and somebody's got to have the, get the bread, and somebody's got to get the wine, and somebody's got to set it all out, and somebody's got to light all the candles. And, and and that sounds like a lot of work to me. But is it the same kind of work that you engage in when you're engineering? Is it the same kind of work you're engaging in when you're sitting down trying to figure out how Excel is supposed to work? Right? It sounds like a lot of work, but it's not the kind of work that I do at my real job. So clearly there's a distinction between the two things. Inactivity is not the point of rest. Jesus doesn't just teach. He does the work of mercy. In verse 26 and 31, he drives out a demon and heals Peter's mother-in-law. I I, I like this because Jesus was well known for eating and drinking. He was called a glutton and a drunkard. Uh, At at the wine, the wine that he made at at the wedding, I'm convinced he just wanted more wine. I mean, it benefited everyone else because it's Jesus after all. But I think he wanted more wine. My guess is the mother-in-law here made pretty sweet tamales and he wanted some and she was sick. And so not only is he blessing her and healing her, but he's like, how are we going to have a feast if the person serving the feast is sick? Right? I like this kind of thing about Jesus. He doesn't just heal her and say, okay, yeah, you're real tired now and you lay down. He's healing her so that she can serve him. That's why we're healed. You come here and God heals you so you can serve him. Because he wants to enter into that with you. He wants that participation in that fellowship. Now, I think it's interesting that some churches I know of, I have a brother-in-law who does this, they actually close down like once every month, church on a Sunday, and they go out and they do mercy work. And and at first I was like, wow, that's, uh, that's kind of cool. But then you think that, that Jesus isn't going out into the community to do work. He's in the synagogue, right? The demon-possessed man is sitting there in the pews, which is a whole sermon in itself. But there he is, and he's freaking out, and he helps him. He goes to his mother-in-law's house, or Peter's house, and it's Peter's mother-in-law. Um, And and so what he's doing is helping the people of God. Now, what? So mercy work on on the Sabbath is how we learn how to go into the world and do mercy work in the community. And so if we are only coming here to take and to get, what we're practicing and what we're going to do in the world is to go out and to take and to get. What is mercy work that you can engage in here in the people of God? Making extra food to bring to someone. Giving gifts of some kind. Giving money of some kind. What can you do? right Jesus heals somebody and it's not work for him because it, it, he is in fact the god man so if you make food on tuesday and bring it here right is that work on sunday when you give it to another family it's not you didn't just sit there and make it in the back <laughs> you were prepared and so what mercy work is is crucial to the fellowship of god's saints it's not just, let's get there kind of on time and sit in the back and listen and take communion, have some cookies, chit-chat with a few people, and go. That is a very selfish way to rest. Jesus is concerned about the welfare of others. When he shows up at Peter's house, this is, this is what I love. Immediately, he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Oh, it's Simon's house, I'm sorry. Simon and Peter. That was very confusing all of a sudden, for no reason. Mark 1.29, and immediately Jesus left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. So he's going to a friend's house with friends. That's interesting. Why is he doing that? I thought it was a religious work day. Uh, why doesn't he just stay at the synagogue and read more scripture? Right? If he's so pious. Why doesn't Jesus stay there and pray all day? Why does he go from one fellowship of believers to another fellowship of believers? Well, the point is that festive fellowship is an extension of what we're doing here in this room. Right Here we all are, the people of God, having a feast. And you're supposed to then go from here to continue doing that. (laughs) That's what he does. He doesn't go off in the mountains alone. Leviticus 23, 1-3. This is why Jesus is doing this. Why does he go from one group to another group? This is why. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, These are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are appointed feasts. Six days shall work be done, and on the seventh day is the Sabbath of solemn rest, of holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is the Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. The annual feasts, annual feasts, is what it's going to go on here and describe. But before he gets to the annual ones, he mentions this one that you're supposed to have every week. The feasts of God include the Sabbath. It's not a day that you fast. It's not a day where you avoid festive fellowship. Um, Nehemiah 8, 9 through 12. Just listen to this for a second and tell me what kind of fellowship these people are engaged in. This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn. Do not weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and send portions, and to make great rejoicing, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. They understood the words they declared to them, and so they said, Let's have a party. Let's have a party. Sabbath rest requires meeting together. Sabbath rest is found in the company of the saints, in worship services, in festive fellowship together afterwards. And this is what I was talking about in the very beginning. It has gotten very quiet in here. Now, why do you think that is? For us, for your family, for you, is the Sabbath rest is how you think of the word rest, going to church and festive fellowship. Is it coming here and having a worship service and then having a party afterwards? No. Now, I'm with you because generally I'm so, like, I was literally writing this in the back. Jared had to come over and tell me the song was over. Now, do you, feel, do you think in my heart of hearts I want to go to a party now or do you think I want to go and lie down? after as my kids are now calling it three fingers of scotch <laughs> they've learned they're getting old they know how to measure three fingers of scotch and a nap sounds nice and it's not just today because of this i mean are you kidding me you have people over on a saturday night because again the sabbath starts on saturday so you make that mistake well let's have everybody over midnight when you go to bed by the next morning it's it's not good <laughs> you're kicked you're tired now, what I like is when you get it going early in the day. You meet at four on a Saturday, you still get to bed at a good time, and, and it is super refreshing. There is, there is a, a crazy difference to me to getting together with people on Saturday versus Friday, because it feels like a Sabbath. It feels like a festivity. But this isn't how we feel. This is not, we're not prepared for this. Because you're sitting here and you're thinking, you're like festive. I mean, I'd have to go to Freddy's, and I'd have to buy this, this, and this, and I'd have to go home, and i have to clean the room. And I When's the last time we cleaned the bathroom? I have no idea. <laughs> so then what do you do, right? You rush home as quick as you can. Um, this, I was taught a great deal about this recently by a, a son of mine. I don't know who taught him how to read. But, it was 1.27 on a Sunday afternoon. We had people coming at 1.30. He had just got done doing like two days' worth of chores in 15 minutes, and he's vacuuming <laughs> with three minutes to go. And he stops the vacuum, and he turns to me, and he says, a little smart Alec," he says, uh, Dad, I, I don't want to be rude, which is always what they say when they're about to you know, tell me something I, they think I don't want to hear. Uh, but I was reading Exodus. <laughs> <laughs> And it says that you should be prepared for the Sabbath to avoid the wrath and judgment of God. <laughs> now, it's a good story. And I don't want to, and again, I, I know him fairly well. He really wanted to just play video games because to him that's restful. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But, but it was like, yeah, you know, why, why is it always a surprise? Why why like four o'clock on Saturday afternoon am I always like, oh this oh tomorrow's Sunday. I better write a call. <laughs> right? It sneaks up on me every week. I, I don't know about you but that's what right? I am so into what is going on in our lives that I'm not thinking about Sunday ahead of time. I, I can't. Now that is a problem that we need to deal with, every one of us. That we don't feel like having a festive party after worship service. We want to go home and lie down. Because one, we think that's what rest actually is. And two, because we're, we are imbalanced like nobody's business. Right? If, you, if, if, if this church was a car, it would have like a 50 inch tire on this side and a 12 inch tire on the back on this side and then no tires in the front. And it's just driving into the cement. That's what it feels like. I mean, uh, with six kids, that's what it feels like to me sometimes. Right? And, and it's hard to balance all of these things out. And this is why, my wiseacre son, this is what it says in Exodus chapter 16, verses 22 through 23. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each, and when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning." This is why they, the Jews had something called preparation day. Pre- and, and the sixth, that, that, that last day, excuse me, the sixth day was a work day, but it was a preparation for rest day. Now, that is, I think, comp- difficult to do for a lot of us, but there are things that we can do to be prepared, right? The, com- it's almost, I would argue, a command to be prepared. The, 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 Information is so overwhelming that if you're actually going to engage in worship, if you're going to engage here like you're supposed to, there is a great deal you should have already taken care of. A great deal. And for a moment now, because I could sense the husbands desiring that long sideways glance towards their wives. Are you listening? (laughs) (laughs) Right? I can sense it. Because we start having this conversation who's supposed to do it, right? Well, in my house, there's one person who bakes bread. So if we want bread on the Sabbath, who's got to do it? Well, she does. So when we start talking about this, it sounds like we're about to double down on the load that our wives already have. But but when the prophets condemn the people of Israel for violating the Sabbath, they generally address their exhortations to the leaders of society. Ezekiel 22.6 and Isaiah 56.9-12. So in that spirit, husbands, what do you need to do to be prepared for the Sabbath? Don't give your wife a longer list. Please don't do that. What can you do, leader of the home, to gather extra manna ahead of time? Can you buy paper plates? Can you buy plastic forks? Can you go to uh, Costco and get some rotisserie chickens? Can you take the kids out all day Saturday so that uh, there is, in fact, a preparation day at home while you're away? What do you need to do to give the most hardworking person in your home a break? Right. the The law is very clear. You, you. Get, it says your servants and your animals. So I'm sorry, ladies. I'm not referring to you as servants and animals. But the the principle is what it matters. Who is doing most of the heavy lifting at home? Right? I, I like my wife had to teach me how to use a laundry laundry machine when we got married. And, and and this is like a thing now. It's like okay, um if if we have to have a certain kind of clothing on Sunday, uh we shouldn't wear it to play football on Tuesday uh and then leave it in the dirty clothes basket for a week. Somebody ought to find it and wash it. <laughs> now my boys are getting old enough to do this. Amen. <laughs> but what else? Can you buy uh donuts? That's something we do. Waffles. It takes two minutes to make them. What can you do? right? We get all on balance, and so we want to make sure we sleep in. We want to make sure we have family breakfast. We want to make sure we come in one car. There's all these things that we consider restful, and it's because if we just put a little forethought into it, we could have rest ourselves and give rest to people and still obey God when it comes to keeping the Sabbath. We could serve the people of God the way that they they need to be served because this is a holy convocation that requires a great deal of work and we're so burned out that we have no energy to come here and serve one another the way that God has commanded us to do. So husbands, what are you willing to do? Right? Oh, well, paper plates is so inefficient. So much garbage. Well, yes. So, but let's let's weigh these things, right? Let's consider the way to your matters of the law. Obeying God extra garbage. I'm just going to I'm gonna, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it there. Rotisserie chickens at Costco, by the way, are $5. If you don't have a Costco card, I will go with you. I will buy the wine. Right? How? Okay. You want your wife um, to have a Sabbath rest? Do you want to have a festive uh, event at your home? Okay, One of the idols that has to die is perfectionism. Okay? Amen. <laughs> because this is an idol that we all have. Now, husbands, again, who's in charge of slaying idols in your home? Now, I'm all for it. If you don't have kids and your life is fairly um, different than one who has six and you can get out the fine china, amen, do it. But if I come over to your house, do not be embarrassed that I'm, I'm using one of those plastic forks that keeps breaking while I'm trying to get this ch- chicken off the bone. That's fu- It's fine. It's funny. Uh, I cook on Saturdays for this reason because we do a big party on Saturday nights, the classes, and I cook for this reason. Now, some of you have experienced this cooking of mine and I'm sorry. <clears throat> I'm not kidding. Ask the Nielsens about the jalapeno lasagna. <laughs> I, I'm still sorry about that. That was like <laughs> 12 years ago. But but what are we willing to do? Now, and, and, and again, I think this is confusing. Does that is? Are you saying don't go to a restaurant? No. Um, I'd actually say do that. But leave a Sabbath-sized tip. So much of a tip that maybe they have to take one less shift the next week. You actually get a day off, right? What can you do to give rest to the people in your family? Uh, are you the tiredest person at night? Husbands, I'm still talking to you, right? Are you so wiped out that you just want to go to bed early and get up early so you can go be with the people of God on Saturday night? Our obsession with hospitality, perfectionism, I'm just going to mention that one one more time, needs to also die, okay? If I come over to your house and I can tell there was a kid vacuuming, it's okay. Because when you come to my house, if we vacuumed, it'll most likely be a kid, and you can tell, right? The food is going to be excellent because my wife generally makes it, but the house is a little, it's so funny because uh, someone was over the other day and I had to wash all the bowls that I got down to put chips in. And I was a little embarrassed about that. And you know what I needed to not do? Was be embarrassed about that. Because you just wipe it off on the outside and all the finger marks go away. Generosity on the Sabbath is crucial. Open-handedness. Not holding back. And, and what this whole thing is about and how it fits into all these other sermons is that if you're going to work properly, you have to rest properly. And, and, and we are, again, so mixed up. And, and we take from God the time that he has appointed for his worship for the fellowship with, of, of, of his saints with his saints. We take from him. And, and if you're going to be a priest planted in a garden in the world, you have to learn how to be a priest. And, and this is where you learn how to do it. This is very much like the Old, the old Testament temple. We light candles here. We prepare sacrifices here. Somebody's got to set it up. Somebody's got to clean it up. Somebody has to volunteer to pray and read and do all of these things. And, and and if we're doing it on empty, the problem isn't the fact that we need to do it. How can you be a better priest? Worship better. Rest better. Leave something in the tank, right? What can you do in your home to prepare for this day? And what is this day? This is what I find fascinating about holidays. This is Easter and Christmas and Pentecost and everything in one day. I freak out over Christmas, and I very rarely care that much about the Sabbath, and and I think it's backwards. If your kids aren't just over-the-top excited about Sunday, you're doing it badly, and I'm doing it badly, and so I understand that this happens. But this is the day. This is the day the Lord rose from the dead to deliver us forever from his enemies, This is the day where we look at the work that he's done in our lives, and we praise it and bless it and rejoice in it together. And and we have toasts, and we eat and we drink and we feast and we love one another the way that God intends us to do, the way that we will in heaven. When you go to heaven, it's not going to be an activity. It's going to be full of activity, Sabbath activity. And so this is preparation for it. And if you come in here and, and, and you actually rest the way that you're supposed to and then you go home or go into one of those homes and rest in the way that you will, you will go to work differently. You will make it further into the week. Jesus Christ is the example. Okay, He got up and immediately went to the synagogue. He immediately went from there to his friend's house with friends. Right? What was he known for? partying a little too hard, <laughs> because he understood the goodness of his father. And, and and you're tired, and you're weak, and you're fed up, and, and there's a lot to do. And, and so what we need to do is rest better. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this day of rest. We thank you for calling us out of the world here to be with you, to be fed by you, to behold your work and and how good and Beautiful your work is. Father, I pray that this sermon would not be a burden. You said, come to me all those who are weary and heavy laden, and we are weary and heavy laden. The culture of of the world around us, the way we drive all over the place and work all over the place and live all over the place, is hostile to this kind of rest that you have described, that Christ engaged in. And I pray, Father, that you would push back these thorns, that you would overcome the world so that we can truly behold your work and rejoice in it. Help us to understand these things. Help us to look to Christ as not only the example, but the strength to do it. And amen.